The message is entitled, God's Perfect Love Awakens Hope in the Human Heart. God's perfect love awakens hope in the human heart. I want to talk about, I guess it's good to go right to the message because I want to talk about having a personal encounter with the Lord. Having a personal encounter with God. I want to focus on Jesus and see if we can look through His eyes for a moment. I don't know about you, but um, it's my personal conviction that Jesus Christ is irresistible. That's just me. I could be wrong. But I carry a conviction in my heart that if someone truly encounters a loving God who created them and died for them and who reveals His love to them, that their heart will awaken to see how wonderful He is. Because the Lord loves each person. And no matter how misled or injurious they are to others, He asks us to receive His love, live in His love, abide in Him and the truth of His Word in the true, and drink it in and lovingly reveal it to others. We can do this by carrying an attitude of love and we can be caring and thoughtful and, and having thoughtfulness toward others, but it won't happen unless we fill our hearts and our lives up with the sustaining and life-giving relationship we're given in knowing Him. The longer I've been around doing this, the more I realize it's very deeply a relationship. Let's put a scripture up, Matthew 13. 35. No, it's actually 45 and 46, I think. I think I messed up there. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Keep that up for a second. And I just want to say at first glance, when we all look at this parable, we see ourselves being the merchant we see ourselves discovering Jesus that's how our hearts typically go you know like we sold out to Jesus that when somebody encounters this powerful love and and we lay hold and we can definitely see how this might be a, a parallel how you know I found God's love you know because we want to say his he's, he's the pearl of great value but upon deeper perspective about this parable, it's this, that Jesus is the merchant. And He's looking for you. In God's eyes, you are the pearl of great value. In God's eyes, you are the pearl. And Jesus came down and He came to personally make a trade. And He says, I'm indeed sold out. And I'm going to give everything that I am to purchase you. 1 Corinthians 6.20 in the Amplified Version says, you were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made His own. So then honor Him and glorify God with your body. How many of you know you're more than special. See, the human mind in its fallenness doesn't go this direction. 
we have such a substandard view of how cherished we are, how deeply loved and valued we are by God. It is so substandard. And that lower thinking causes us to have a series of problems. But when you and I see ourselves as who He says we are and who we are to Him, it does start to change our life. How many of you discovered little by little you get revelation of who, who you are to Him? And it does have a profound impact. How many of you have had to have some demonic powers removed to see? Amen. How many have had to have a healing of the brokenness inside of you to bring clarity? Right. Someone has to take another look through, if we can, through Jesus' eyes in Matthew 9, 35. It, it, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. Then verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Everybody say compassion. Because they were, everybody say harassed and helpless. Let's say that again. Harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus' motivation, just we've always used that old, um, you know, example of um, a $100 bill being, you know, run over by cars and, and got oil stains on it and people been stepping in the screw. But it's still 100 bucks. <laughs> Doesn't matter how dirty it is. It's still got the value of $100. Doesn't matter how dirty you got, how long you've been that way, you still have the value of the girl, pearl of great value. You're still his. You're still his. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter how they lived, what they did to you, what they did to anybody. He still sees them through that perspective, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So everything that motivated Jesus was out of this heart of compassion. The word harassed, are you ready? It means to be made feeble through exhaustion. How many have been there? Harassed means to be made feeble through exhaustion and to grow weak and weary, to be tired out and to become faint-hearted. In the King James Version, it doesn't use the word harassed. It uses the word faint-hearted. How many of you have been made feeble through exhaustion at some point? You've been harassed, right? How many of you have grown weak and weary at times? How many of you become tired out and faint-hearted? How very ready? How many of you see people around you in that condition? This is a real interesting passage to me. Now, let's look at helpless. To set down with the suggestion of haste and want of care to throw to the ground. To be helpless is just, you're just, you're down down. The King James Version interprets this term scattered abroad. How many have had to have some days to recuperate? <laughs> You're down so low. <laughs> now let's look at the next one. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
This is how I would say it. The next line here. Next slide. Harassed and helpless people are everywhere. (laughs) Come on. This is the culture today. This is the culture today. You may look like you're not. You can act like you're not. But most people have concerns that are wearing them down, exhausting them, making them feel feeble, and feel like they're just being knocked out. Is that, am I right or rut? It's just the nature of it. Faint-hearted folks are scattered all around. Hello? This is how Jesus looks at it. So I just throw in there, are there not enough people restored to meet their needs? When he says pray for laborers, you know who the laborers are? The people who were harassed and helpless who found Jesus, who know of his compassion, and who've experienced the restoration of his life. How many of you have had an evil spirit or two cast out of you? And and I, I didn't say this, I don't think, in that message, but I was reviewing that idea and I realized seven demons were cast out, and I thought to myself, is that all? She got off pretty lightweight to me. I had layers and layers and layers. It, it took a long time. The Lord probably said, come back later. We'll do some more. Learn how to live in what you got, you know, so we can get some. Oh, come on, come on, let's get real. And we need the glory of God's presence when people come in and the power come on them and demons flee and all the healing that they need begins to happen. Can I just preach and say, God, come in your glory and your power and do supernatural works in the culture in the name of Jesus. Many today are missing out on the dynamic supernatural help that they more help. You know, there's there you can have so much help from God more than people can imagine, but they just they don't know it. They're gutting out an existence. Many have reached for things that leave them emptier than when they started. Many are carry disappointments. I'm, I'm talking relational failures out the gazoo. And some folks' hearts are so broken that they've walled themselves in and sworn that they're never going to trust another person. How about that? Is that harassed? It's a lonely life. To protect their hearts from further hurt, there's a tendency to live superficially and keep real life at a distance. And what is remarkable about Father God is that this kind of broken and bound situation is not His first rodeo. He completely understands hurt people and their vulnerability to the voice of the accusing voice of the devil. How many of you have had a a hurt and be berated by a voice of condemnation that just tagged on to you for so long? And then one day, and you have your own experience, one day, one day, a day came when you stood under the cross. And Jesus, by His Spirit, said, Honey, that's not our thing. We don't do that. You're not tormented and haunted under my care. I'm the Lord of lords and the King of kings. I'm anointed to kick this out. You want a little help? Do you want some help? And you go... Yeah, but listen, I want to tell you this. I, thought, I got to thinking about this. There's not one person that's going to get before the judgment seat of Christ 
and tell him, you loved everybody but me. So quit doing it now. Stop that thinking now. I feel like even those kind of thought processes are like a sword that can liberate. Because we all know that bitterness is a voice. It has a voice. It has an ability to speak. It's the voice of blame. Isn't that right? And so thoughts of bitterness and such like that, they're the mortar that keep the walls of rejection built. And he understands that most of us, uh, you know, have these walls built around our hearts. It's all of the stuff of darkness, of these bad feelings about yourself, of things that people said, and, and how you've interpreted. And they, what they said is like, you know, you, but now it's your thing. You know, you, that, that statement is like owned now by you, you know. And this, this stuff that just breaks apart the, the personality, the confidence, the, the beauty of what God's created you to be, it just robs and kills and destroys. Seems like I heard that somewhere. It's just that safe. It's not the kind of wonderful life that Jesus calls you into, is it? And so people build up these little prison places and they, I just want you to know, it doesn't matter how long you've been in your self-made prison. It just don't matter. I know somebody who can open that door. And he's good at it. And it doesn't matter how long you've had it. Here's the thing that I know what's going for you and me. Each heart still has a longing for the pure love. Somehow down in there, there's still a longing that that can exist for you. Isn't that? Come on, let's just praise the Lord. There's a longing in the culture for the pure love that God has for each person. And we can bank on that. We can know that that, and that's what we want to get delivered to them because Jesus came to make it available and the Holy Spirit comes as the delivery and he wants to do this. And there's a unique love. There's a pure love that has this unique power. And this all say it together. The love, the pure love of God awakens hope in the human heart. I don't know how it will come to you, how it did come to you, how it continues to come to you, but I know this. Sometimes it's a nudge. Sometimes you're just aware of a little nudge, and pure love nudges you. Anybody been loved, nudged by pure love from the Lord? Or it could be a small little flash of light, just something just occurs, and you begin to see beyond where you are, and this desire for you and lifts you out of some hope begins to happen because the pure love begins to manifest inside. It could be just any kind of a moment, a little moment where this, this precious God's reality, God's precious reality for you suddenly is made known. It could even be a complete saturation of his presence. The glory of His character being displayed and you begin to realize I'm not going to live in the way that I used to live. I feel like praying in the Spirit for a while. Just, just wanting to, let's just, just lift up praise to the Lord. Would you do that? Just join me. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We give you glory today. We give you glory today. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we have a longing. We have a longing in us for the pure love. And that longing for your pure love is a deep longing.
And it's a, a transformational journey you got us on. And that true, you know, after a while, you know this is true in your own life history without Christ. After a while, a, a broken and bound person comes to realize that their current journey will be more and more emptiness. Is that hollow pang of something's missing. So the Lord encourages that those who He set free us from their prison to pray for these other people that are still in their prisons. Is this making sense? It's an invisible realm. The kingdom of God is an invisible realm. Eternity is all invisible stuff. What's temporary is what we see. But Jesus' blood is alive and active. The Holy Spirit moves and does things. He says, Jesus said to Nicodemus, it's like the wind. You see the results of it, but you don't know where it's coming from. The Holy Spirit could just show up in a conversation and suddenly people go, wait a minute, what is it about the other? And now they're, they're starting to come out of their so flicker, a flicker of hope, a flicker of love came into the prison. And they're like, whoa, they're banging on the walls. Whoa, 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 whoa. The thing I wanted is happening. What did we do? How did it happen to you, didn't it? Same thing happened to you. Something of, a, of the hope began to rise. But um, much blindness actually comes from... This, is, this happens in the culture. I just want to get these things out because they're, they're on my heart. You know, just like Jesus gave sight to the blind, much blindness comes from, get this, dismissing what Jesus offers. There's people, people deeply fear giving over control of their life to somebody else because they were mishandled the last time they did it. And so uh, the pure love of Jesus is dismissed along with other things or people who failed them. You kind of like just, it goes by the wayside too. But the longing for pure love is still the ember in the candle of the soul. It's still there. The longing is still there. And so the devil, he knows all this stuff. So he, he's, a, he's got this smart a, approach. He, he paints self-effort religion uh, over the gift of the grace of Jesus. So he's on, now he's got people fooled that they've got to go work for whatever this is. And it, you can't get it that way. It doesn't come that way. It's a free gift. Pure love can't be earned. It's relationally given. And so... Um, Let's go ahead and put the next one up. Pain motivates. How many of you have seen this statement before? Until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change, you will not change. How many of you have seen <laughs> I did not like this. I thought that I could just get out of my prison. But I was so used to it and all of the ways that I was bound that until pain really, really got down inside and I realized I've got to break out of this. Jesus is going to help me, but I was, I've got to strengthen my will. There's this powerful, powerful truth that I learned. I learned this along the way, and I've said it probably hundreds of times, but there are no strong demons. There's only weak wills. There's no strong demons. There's only weak wills. A demon power is only as strong as you have sinned enough in that area to let him have strength. But the weakness, so, so the you can't cast out your flesh. <laughs> and you can't discipline the demon. So you've got to go ahead and cast out the demon and discipline the flesh. 
and the will has to be strengthened according to the, 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 the love, the clinging to the Lord, the, the, the acting on the truth, the, the, the beginning to, to turn this way instead of going right straight into the past stuff that used to be a false comfort. You know what I mean? All this, uh, you learn to strengthen your will. But pain is the one. It was pain. It was physical pain that brought the woman with the issue of blood to Jesus, right? It was um, emotional pain that caused Zacchaeus to climb a tree and look for Jesus. Isn't that right? He, he, he had all the money he needed. He just was just emotionally devastated. He was isolated. He was lonely. Rational, uh, re, excuse me, relational pain caused the centurion to come to Jesus and request healing for his servant. Isn't that right? And then you got the leper. He has them all. He's got physical pain, emotional pain, relational pain. And so the leper comes out and he receives the touch from Jesus. And Jesus is moved with compassion. And, and to all those that are in isolation and hurt. And he can, how many of you can relate to at least one of those? Does anybody have the, a story where it, you really, really had to face the pain that, that the pain of change had to become greater. The pain of staying the same had to become greater than the pain of change. Does, any, does that make sense? Was it easy? No. I was telling um, someone about when, when I had, when I, had a, uh, the, when I was stuck and I just couldn't win in a certain area of my life the Lord gave me a vision. He, first of all, He showed me that the past, that all of the hurdles, that I had knocked over all the hurdles. But then He showed me the future, and He showed me that I would jump all the hurdles with His help. And I started to jump the hurdles, and I didn't knock them over anymore. You just need Jesus. You just need Him to give you the power to do what you can't do in yourself. Now, there's some people that it's just the pain that pushes them. There's other people that uh, maybe it's not. Everybody's going to have some kind of pain somewhere in their life, right? That's going to happen. But there's sometimes people come to want to explore values. They want to say, hey, we're going to we husband and wife married. They got a new child. And they're looking for a place to where they can have a support system to put in quality things into their kids. Sometimes people are drawn to the, the kingdom of God like that. Uh, there's some people that have earthly goals and they, they're just filled up with their earthly goals and they do another one, they do another, do another, do another. But finally, when they, they come to the end of all their goals, there's still, there's that pang of emptiness. Like, what's going to happen now? And there's even morally upright people with great families and plenty of money that one day lay on their deathbed. So Jesus is going to be the Savior of the world no matter where your need is. Isn't that right? How are we doing so far? Let's go ahead to this. I, I'm going to look at an Old Testament story. Excuse me, an old, a King James Version. This won't take long. Let's just lift our heads to the Lord now. Father God, we want to thank you for the glory of your presence that has filled the sanctuary and caused us to be sensitive and uh, tender to the movement of your Spirit. And we want more of you. We thank you, Lord, that your healing power your delivering power, your saving power is all based on the pure love that you represent, that you've represented to us through Jesus Christ. 
And I believe, Lord, that there's a, a group of people in here that want to walk with Father God the same way Jesus did and to truly represent the love of the Father by walking in sync and being led on a daily basis with you being in charge. And so we just go ahead and commit afresh, Lord, we want to, to be expressions of your love to the world around us. That's what we want. And Lord, if we come later and pray for these, the people that we're asking for you to take down the walls and, and cause them to be liberated, we're just asking, Lord, breakthrough after breakthrough in this culture in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Luke 13, 10 through 17, and um, I'll get to a slide here in a minute. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. Everybody say a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. A spirit. This is a demonic power that holds a person in sickness for 18 years. And she was bowed together and she could in no wise lift up herself. She's been over. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And then he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now we have the, the crazy part. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work and in them therefore come and be healed, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord then answered him and said, you hypocrite, were thou hypocrite. <laughs> Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all the adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that he had done. I said this a minute ago, but I want to point out that 18 years is a long time. And there was another man who was infirmed by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. Here's the point. It does not matter to Jesus how long you have been hurting. He is here to heal you. It don't matter. How many of you have had something or have something presently in your life that's bent you out of shape? Something working on bending you out of shape. Something that you've struggled to straighten out, some harassment, some work. How many of you know someone whose life has been out of shape? Struggled for years to get it straightened out. Jesus says, woman, thou art, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Or Jesus would say, sir, you are loosed from your infirmity. Um, let's, I'm going to finish this, but let's just go ahead and lift up and pray for every, anybody and everybody that's come to your mind right now that's struggling. Let's go. Father God, we just praise you right now. 
for all who are harassed and helpless and stuck and wounded and held back and imprisoned. In the name of Jesus, we pray for them that the Holy Spirit work in their hearts and lives and there come a moment where they're loosed from their infirmity that you say that you release the power of the Holy Spirit and break them out of a place where they've been in bondage to the hellish work of darkness holding them into being infirmed in some way. Every single person that's come to our mind that we know that's been out of shape somehow, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name you would help them come into their life and help them now in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. And it's simple, by the way. Um, I was thinking about this because when, and see, why in the world can Jesus help anybody? This is, this is the power of the gospel. This is the, press, the, the, the deal with the gospel is this. How many of you know Jesus bore our sins, right? He bore our sins. Okay, so the result and effect of our sin has come upon him, right? So he at the cross. But here, so how in the world could, what, what gives Jesus the right to actually say, woman, thou art loose for the infirmity, and she's bent over, and she stands up and hails the broken. How, how, why? And I tell you, it doesn't take but just a moment. It doesn't take but just a moment to see the power of the gospel at work. Jesus was bent out of shape carrying the cross. Jesus was literally stumbling under and bent over. Isn't that right? Jesus has authority to straighten people up from being bent out of shape because he was bent out of shape under the power of the cross. He was so bent out of shape and hurting that Luke twenty three twenty six says, as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and they laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. This verse reveals that even Jesus Christ needed help. So he can relate to anybody who needs help, who can't stand up right, who's hurting. Let's stand again. Just like we're going to go to the rest of the service in a minute, but let's go ahead and I want to just ask you if you would lift your hands with me before the Lord. Just lift your hands. Lift your hands up before the Lord. You're standing as an intercessor. You're standing as a, as a person that uh, has a need your own self. And I want to pray right now for each. There's a, there's a, the presence of the Lord is coming. And there's a, a healing grace, a healing help. And here's what the question is. Where do you need help right now? Where do you need help? And the Lord wants to address that, help you, bless you, come into that place in your heart and life. Let's just pause right here for a moment. In the name of Jesus, pause right here for a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe that there's some thoughts that have been bending you out of shape. There's some thought processes that have not served you well, that have caused you to bend in a certain way that if you keep going down that thought process, you'll need something else to straighten you out later. And the Lord wants to come and bring wholeness to your brain right now. 
Is anybody feeling the sense of the Lord wanting to give you a, not, it's not, it's never done as a slap you around kind of think right. That's not it. The Lord wants to lift off of you any kind of demon torment that has brought your mind to second guess, to wonder, to question his goodness, to doubt about him moving in. It'll bend you all out of shape, that kind of thinking. You need the pure word of the Lord inside of your mind to help you stand in in a way that's going to cause others to see Jesus. We don't need to be the people who are all bent out of shape. People looked at us and they see no help at all. But when you have the right heart, the right thinking, the right work of the Holy Spirit in you, He flows out of you. There's things that happen in and through you. And guys, I want to tell you right now, the Lord's taking our whole congregation up a notch. We are going up. The Lord has a vision for us, has impact for us. It's not the same old, same old. It's a different day. It's a different time. So don't get, uh, don't, don't allow hell to say it's nothing's going to change for your life. Don't let that happen. That's, that's, that's bent over thinking. The Lord's saying, I'm going to make you stand, uh, stand in Him, stand up and stand and be available for the work of the Spirit of God. I just want with all of my heart everything that Jesus wants to have impact through us. Would you go ahead and I know you're just drinking, drinking of His love and presence again. Let's go ahead and Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes it's not a big thing. It's a very small thing. Sometimes it's just the beginning of a thing. It's not like, it's not like a, a, a lion or a tiger or a bear or a dragon. It's just a worm. But the Lord wants to remove worms. He wants to remove bugs. He wants to remove thinking that is unclean and unpure and not right. It's not gigantic. Sometimes those things can develop into just a horrible thought process. Anybody been tempted to be bitter, tempted to be... All that stuff is starts off little and then it grows. And when we stand in the presence of the Lord, He just lifts that stuff away. He just takes it away. And so we commit to that. Thank you, Lord. Every thought that discourages our minds, every one of them, come now with the power of your Holy Spirit and reveal it and take it away. We rebuke you, hell. We rebuke the thoughts of the adversary in the name of Jesus. And we said, Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together.